This commentary was recorded before the death of the story's director, Michael Ferguson, who we obviously speak about with great affection, but in the present tense. I'd like to salute Michael for all the hours of entertainment he gave us. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, get a special guest to choose their favourite things about a story, and I have to then guess what those favourite things are. Hi there, my name is Pip Maidley, and I suppose I'm best known for being a Doctor Who nerd on Twitter, so if you're a fellow Doctor Who nerd on Twitter, then perhaps you might have heard of me. I'm taking time out today from babysitting Mavellans to watch one of my personal favourites. It's the classic 1966 William Hartnell story, The War Machines, which always takes me to a happy time and place. Now, Toby has asked me to come up with five of my favourite things, but will he manage to actually guess any of them? Well, stay tuned to find out. Well, welcome, everybody. Um, I've completely torn up my plans uh, and just watched a story that I decided I fancied watching. Um, I wanted to do a bit of black and white. I wanted to do some Hartnell. The next Hartnell on my list, though, was Marco Polo, which is seven episodes that don't exist and uh, a story I don't know very well. Uh, that I would have had to chew through two and a half hours worth of telesnap reconstructions. So much as the special guest who has guided me on the journey to Cathay uh, is somebody I was very much looking forward to hearing from, I'm a bit tired and uh, so I chose uh, a, a slightly easier, a morsel that's slightly easier to digest uh, and uh, also one that... Uh, Timing-wise is, uh, well, is appropriate, as we will discover. So as uh, special guest Pip, uh, who's a genius uh, on the internet, and a very funny man, and I'm really pleased he's uh, uh, contributed to this, he has uh, recorded his favourite things about this story. I'm going to see if I can guess what they are. So uh, I have the DVD in my machine and I am going to ask you to press play all or play episode one or whatever you're going to do in three two one uh, now I have a very interesting relationship with this story I always get a bit cross when season polls and things happen online uh, and it's season three and everybody chooses the war machines uh, above things like the massacre and the myth makers um uh, which are better stories uh, and the gunfighters um which i think are more interesting you know takes on the show but of course at the time this was a very interesting take on the show because there was nothing like it we'd never been to contemporary earth before but because i think it's so like what is to come I sort of think, oh, well, people are only voting for it because it's what they're used to from the Pertwee era or whatever. Um, that's a brilliant opening shot. Director Michael Ferguson, uh, who, having been a floor manager on uh, things like oh, the first Dalek story, uh, becomes one of, I think, the most interesting classic series directors. Now, I think this is subconsciously why I've chosen this story. 
uh, dear Jackie Lane, there, who played Dodo, has just, uh, well, the news has just broken. I found out this week uh, that she passed away, actually two or three weeks ago. Um, and, oh, <laughs> excuse me. And uh, I, I'm rather sad about that. I've never been a great fan of Dodo. Um, but I met Jackie Lane on a train. <laughs> Would you believe? Um, I was never going to meet her at a convention. I was never going to meet her doing a DVD because she didn't do them. She was the Greta Garbo of Doctor Who, bless her. <clears throat> and um, Scotland Yard whipped off into time and space. Uh, <clears throat> and I was getting, I, I used to get that London train, London to Manchester, a lot. And I always used to go for ca um, uh, 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 cabin, not cabin, uh, whatever, whatever they're called, Coach E because Coachy was the unreserved one and I always wanted to get a table so I could plug in and do a bit of work on my laptop, whatever. And I saw this person getting on, Coachy, and I was like, oh, uh, and struggling with a big bag and she was small and struggling with a big bag. I was like, now she's going to be in the door and I'm going to wait behind her. Then everyone's going to fill up from the other end and oh, my journey's going to be. And I was thinking this as I was approaching and she was still quite far away. And I thought, I think that's Jackie Lane. Uh, and I know I'm probably prone to hallucinating Doctor Who actors wherever I go. But, you know, good golly, I was right. <clears throat> so I like the use of the wind machine there. Um, it's Isn't it great seeing... Uh, I, I love the, the, the fact that Dodo and the Doctor seem so close. And there's something fabulous about seeing Hartnell in contemporary London because... This this is a novel sight. This is this is actually seeing Hartnell in contemporary London is as strange as seeing a police box on a quarry planet or whatever. So I know that I think any problems I have with this story are based on my love for season three and the fact that this always, as I say, seems to top the polls. And I I, I do think it's perhaps not as necessarily as esoteric and interesting and just slightly odd as the John Wiles era. Um, but also I think I need to get over myself a little bit with it. I'm, I'm fully aware of that. <clears throat> um, and isn't it interesting that Doctor Who can just walk into the post office tower? But that's a great thing as well, isn't it? Makes it a really interesting period piece that he's gone to the, uh, you know, he's gone to the, the great new edifice in London, uh, John Harvey there as Professor Brett. See, I think my main my main image of this story is of John Harvey, John Cater and Alan Curtis as the three human, not villains, but the three humans who've been taken over, standing in a room telling each other the plot. But uh, uh, standing, because Michael Ferguson is a great director, uh, his placement of their bodies, his placement of them is always quite interesting and, and good to look at. Um, but to me, that it's not as, you know, that doesn't have the sly intellectual wit of Donald Cotton. It doesn't have the uh, strange ambition of the Ark. It, uh, 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 what other stories do, was I mentioned? Oh, it doesn't have the, the sort of brilliant doom-laden uh, thing that uh, John Luca Rotti gives to the, to the massacre, uh, which is a lovely, uh, you know, has, a, has great period stuff as well. I love the historicals anyway. Um, but... In its own right, this has many glorious things. Hartnell in his hat uh, in contemporary London. And, 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 and this has its own sort of strangenesses. Like, I always thought he was called Wotan, but they've decided to call him Votan. Uh, 
but but yeah this is the first time that the doctor does what doctor does all the time now which is visit contemporary earth so what a different series it was for those first three years um and hartnell nearing the end of his reign is by uh, is been by no means at the end of his tether is he um i'd look how gloriously excuse me massive this computer is whereas of course and that's the the wonderful thing about the, the you know the, the future as postulated in the past is that they thought well to be impressive you have to be big whereas of course what we've discovered about technology is actually the the, the better something is the smaller it is the more technology it can fit into a compact space so uh, jackie lane on a train um i i, I really need to do um other Doctor Who actors um, uh, in in in, uh, in in methods of transport that rhyme rhyme with them. John Abenary on a ferry. Uh, <laughs> um, and and she's treated very very badly. I think, uh, as we will discover, she disappears halfway through episode two. Uh, I I think that's pretty mean. Uh, Inez Lloyd. Uh, uh, a fine producer and it seems a very old school gentleman i've seen him interviewed a couple of times and alan bennett whose producer he became spoke very highly of him of having you know proper old world bbc manners well he comes in and he fires peter purvis and jackie lane oh good slightly takey over acting there jackie good for you um and uh, oh and hello annika wills we will be talking about her a lot i'm sure um Although of course this is this is her only complete story in existence. Good lord, isn't that awful? Um, uh, so, so yeah, so I I, I waited till I, I I texted a couple of mates and said uh, I, I'm on a plane. I'm on a train with Jackie Lane. I could have been on a plane as well. That's a good ceiling shot. Um, look at these funky young things. Yeah, there's a, there's a uh, the, the the guy who has a fight with Ben is called Flash. Uh, Ewan Proctor is the actor, I, th I think, and I think that's about the only thing he's got in his TV CV. But if, if you're going to have a part on your TV CV, Flash in Doctor Who is pretty cool. Um, Flash in the Inferno, I like it. Um, and here's Sandra Bryant as Kitty, uh, who we couldn't find for ages and ages and ages, but uh, she has turned up recently and done a couple of signings. Uh, she's very 60s, isn't she? Um, I think she had a couple of... she have a couple of records, Sandra Bryant? Um, and she, uh, like John Harvey as Professor Brett, was hired for the Macra Terror. But we'll talk about... I've got the Macra Terror on the list. We'll talk about Sandra Bryant's contribution or not to the Macra Terror uh, when we get to the Macra Terror. Uh, I love Ben and Polly. Um, so anyway, we will talk about them because uh, we've got plenty of time with them in this story. We don't have, although this picture was in Doctor Who magazine where she's looking at him. Uh, that's yeah. There was a, uh, there was a lovely, lovely shot of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 my my friend said, well, you, you you can't pass up this opportunity. But I thought I don't want poor old Jackie Lane, who's always been reluctant to talk about Doctor Who, to. Uh, uh, that's the photo in Doctor Magazine. It's when they're facing each other. That's right. Um, uh, to to feel like she's stuck on a two and a two hour eight minute journey with a Doctor Who fan from whom she can't escape. So I waited till we left Stockport, 
which is the last stop before Manchester. So she knew she'd got a maximum of 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and I walked past a couple of times and I was terrified. I was sweating. I, I could, I could, I get, I, you know, that sort of nervous smell you get when you're a bit, a bit terrified. Uh, so I walked up and down and I kept looking around and I, and I, I, I plucked up the courage and I stood up and, and, and then I noticed that the person in the seat opposite me, uh, I love Ben, I love Ben having, Ben, ben I, I mean, I know it's, uh, you know, a bit, bit uh, 60s, you know, where to, you know, the the, 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 the man has to do the masculine fighty thing and uh, on behalf of the lady. I know it's a bit old fashioned now, but it's a, it's a great way to introduce the character. You want to go home. Yeah, go away, Flash. Uh, I know he's done a signing or two for, for Phantom. And, and of course, yes, they start not quite liking each other. I like uh, uh, Michael Craze. is so natural. I think he's great. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I, I spoke to Jackie Lane, who I'd... Uh, well, no, that's it. I, I sort of got up. And I noticed the woman opposite me sort of flinch as if she was going, what is this guy going to... And I looked straight after it. It was Tracy Barlow from Coronation Street. And I think she'd seen this sort of nervous guy uh, and uh, I thought he's plucking up the courage to talk to me. Of course, I walked straight past her and talked to the old lady in the corner. Uh, and I said, you know, are you are you Jackie Lane? And she said, how did you know that? And I said, oh, and I explained to her I was and, you know, that I'd done a few things uh, for, for Doctor Who. And I tried to, you know, reassure her that, you know, she could do, she could take part in the DVDs, even if she was a bit nervous, we'd make it easy for her. And she said, I haven't been in a television studio for 50 years. And, and I said, well, we could go to your home or we could blind her. And I, tr and I was really gentle and she was, she was happy to talk about Doctor Who and she was lovely. Um, and, uh, um, and I just got the impression she, she was happy to talk one-on-one, -on -one, but she was just a bit shy and she didn't want to be on camera. Uh, and she, I know she had hearing problems, so she didn't want to do, you know, commentaries with headphones. This is Rick Felgate playing uh, the journalist uh, who was director Michael Ferguson's brother-in-law uh, because I think he... And, 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 and there's a connection because I think... Was he the brother of Cynthia Felgate, who was the woman behind Play School, who I think was married to... The, the, yeah, I've... Listen to my Who's Round with Michael Ferguson. It explains. Uh, and Rick is in three of Michael's Doctor Who's because he's Brent in uh, The Seeds of uh, De Death and he's Van Leiden in The Ambassadors of Death. And I think he's a very good actor um, who's who's good in... Uh, and, and, of course, he's playing an American, so he's chewing gum, which is a lovely shorthand. And William Mervyn, the marvellous William Mervyn here... Uh, and the wonderful John Cater. I love John Cater, who, when I first saw this, I didn't know as an actor. And then, of course, I spotted him everywhere. Uh, I thought, you know, I spotted this guy. Both him and uh, Alan Curtis as Major Green were two guys who played quite prominent parts. So I thought, oh, I don't know these guys. Um, and it's because I'd never seen the cast list written down, so I'd probably not been looking for them because then I, of course, discovered that they had huge uh, uh, careers and CVs and were still, actually, when this came out on DVD, were still very much uh, around. And this led to me. Here's lovely Alan Curtis as Major Green. Um, uh, another gentleman of the old school, um, blazer-wearing... Uh, cricket loving lovely lovely alan curtis who who like jackie lane died recently alan died at the beginning of the year he phoned me 
just before New Year's Eve and said, I, I, I think I, I've probably got till September. I'd love it if you could come and sort out my scrapbooks and stuff. And of course, we couldn't because we were all locked down with COVID and he didn't have till September. He only, he only lived another month, couple of months, month and a half. Uh, but I had a right old chat to him uh, before he went. I'd, I'd, I'd visited him at home. He had a stroke 20 years previously, but soldiered on, taught himself to write again with his other hand, uh, still maintained his uh, his old-fashioned manners. Uh, and I think sometimes we have to be careful, because when we talk of old-fashioned, you go, oh, was he very sort of... Um, reactionary and right wing no he was a, he, as he said he said I'm a, he said are you like me a gentleman of the left uh and uh, uh so although he was quite establishment he was also obviously slightly iconic you know a bit of an iconoclast within his own social circle and he was very charming but again quite shy i had to go to his house twice to interview him and and in fact he'd have backed out the second time had he been able to find my phone number because he didn't trust his voice but we 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 did it in the end uh and he did have loads of scrapbooks uh and he worked with david whittaker when they were both actors and he told me some really interesting stuff about david whittaker I'm not talking much about the war machines am i i'm talking about my encounters with these people but the people are my conduit to doctor who uh this is a great story um i'm i'm loving uh the nightclub it all seems so incongruous for for doctor who of this period jackie lane's doing a great job suggesting uh that all is not quite right with dodo it's like she's got a slight headache and she's just slightly detached i'm so sad that she's going to be gone uh next week as i say yeah because inner's lloyd yes he uh he comes in and gets rid of stephen and dodo but then uh, replaces them with these bright young things but then hairy-legged highlander fraser hines comes in and he goes oh well, actually i don't need ben and polly much either get rid of them essentially in episode two of the faceless ones i know they come back for episode six but that's only on film at the end and you know not even let's get you through to the rest of your story and and yes and i i i, I and i i i think this is a story that interestingly um because it's set in the modern day john harvey reminds me slightly um of um well, there's a bit he does. There's a bit he does when when we get to it. But he's he's not hiding the fact that he is under the control of Votan. But yes, um, so this story is actually quite important because, well, f for me, uh, because um, Cater and Curtis were still with us when they did the DVD, and I was I was emailing somebody from the DVD range, and they, they were talking to me about the commentaries, and I said, well, come on, the War Machines. You've got John Cater, you've got Alan Curtis, and you've only got uh, Michael Ferguson and. Annika Wills for the whole four episodes which are, and there's no making of either because it was one of those budget range ones so there's no proper documentary um, and those guys Kate has gone now uh, so it's Frank Jarvis, John Rolfe and loads of cast members who were alive at the time and uh, uh, and uh, uh, well the word the word was well um, uh, yeah they didn't they didn't ask uh, some of the cast because they assumed they were dead sort of thing and you go well don't assume they're in spotlight it's not even like that to look very hard so uh, but because I thought I was just sort of chatting to another Doc 2 fan rather than of course somebody close to the production of the DVDs I was I was perhaps a bit more forceful than I might have been and and that was where the conversation started of well would you do you think you could be interested in doing one of the commentaries um, and I went absolutely I mean even if it's just telling you 
who's not dead. I like the way that's shot. It's very clever. There's something about the fact that it starts with Major Green dragging his feet and that the camera is slightly high. And I love the the, the little turntable-y effect, the, what is it, this, the pottery wheel effect that... Uh, comes back and use it's used a lot that kind of thing in the in the in the in the war games um i understand yes oh well done alan i think that might be alan's own tie i don't know why i think that um but i think it is if it's uh, now i don't know about ties but if it's a cricket tie or an mcc tie it's definitely his but for some reason i think that's his tie um I'm loving this nightclubby stuff, um, and I and when I did Evil of the Daleks and Simon Gurrier talked about you know the Doctor and Jamie in episode one of that being you know it's the only episode with with the second Doctor and, and Jamie spend the whole of it in sixties London, and uh, this is our this is our first episode. So this must have been like the X Files, you know, when 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 it was actually on, sort of contemporary and conspiracy and. Uh, you, you, you know, um, the Doctor consorting with people at the at the very top, but actually, it's the very top that has been uh, inveigled by the alien intelligence, or well, computer intelligence. Uh, top work to the extras who are after doing a lot of dancing in the background, which which is never great fun. And aren't they all cool and young in sixties? And they're probably all either ancient or dead now. Um, I I love John Cater. He's a terrific actor, and he was married to Wendy Gifford, who's Miss Garrett, the beautiful Wendy Gifford, who's Miss Garrett in the Ice Warriors and was in the Power Game and so much else. But as I say, I didn't know Cater when I first saw this, and then uh, I saw his name in a in a listings magazine we had at home. I didn't know why we'd got an American listings magazine uh, uh, for being in uh, Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter, which he's in, and then and then he just turned up in all sorts of telly playing. You know, mate, he's in The Woman in Black. He was in a thing called Shalom Shalom. Um, and he was top top build in that, I think. Uh, uh, it, popped up in, it pops up in Black Eyes as well, I think. Um, that set wasn't uh, the sturdiest. Um, but I, and I, what I like about this is that, that Crimpton and Cater, who I think is, is probably the best best actor in this, um I, lo I love william mervyn and he's 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 perfectly cast a type um and 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 you know absolutely spot on but i think just in terms of a, as a general purpose all-round and versatile character actor i think i think i think caters the pick of the bunch and so i like the fact that it's his character that uh uh that ha that that gets a bit of resistance i mean he becomes a zombie like the other two and spends the rest of the time shouting the plot in a room <laughs> uh, as the, th the three of them do um but at least at least he he gets to show that he's got he's got some sort of pluck uh uh and some sort of mental resistance to the will of votan uh, um but yeah yeah and he's doing a good job of suggesting sort of oh and i like this because they use this music in the moon is it music this sound effect be do be do be do in the moon base as well and it's a really lovely 60s piece of thing and it and on the moon it suggests the moon to, to me in the moon base and it suggests here you know sort of bur burrowing into the, the human brain i love the way he takes his glasses off and he and he's and he, i love the way he does this cater does a brilliant job at resisting but not for 
long and oh yes he's not unlike donald pleasance is he i wonder if he lost out uh, to, to donald pleasance for a lot of work but uh He's a lovely actor and, and kept going. I've got a feeling his last role was in the first episode of Bone Kickers, which is probably not the best way to go, but there we go. Uh, but, yeah, it's a shame we missed, uh, We, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, so if if you interested, but the because the DVD does have shortcomings, but I actually, as a student, I bought the VHS of this because it was for that that they started to reconstruct uh, you know the various missing bits so I'd only ever seen uh, bits with the, the various edits intact and and so because even though I didn't have any money because I was a student this was the VHS of this was one where extra work had been put in to make it as complete as possible and it had got the film trims at the end or the, 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 the film sequences that they had left so I, I, I spent I don't know was I a student I may have left and been on the dole so spent part of my gyro on it but what it, whatever it was I I went to Forbidden Planet and I bought it and I wasn't in a position to be buying Doctor Who videos, especially when I had, you know, my own sort of bootleg VHSs of, of most things. Um, yes, I'm going to explain the plot to you in a sci-fi way, especially as I have been taken over. Um, that's actually, that's that's more like my, my when we get to the arc, my, my impression of the commander will sound fairly similar to that. Um... So it looks like that Dodo for her last story is going to get a huge amount to do because ja Jackie Lane sort of gets the cliffhanger. Uh, uh, except, of course, it is overshadowed by the fact that it uh, it becomes an infamous moment in the history of Doctor Who uh, because Doctor Who... Who is required? Bring him here. The 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 choice to make Votan Visper um, is an odd one. It's not how you expect a computer voice to be. So I remember finding that quite surprising. I love what they do with all the graphics. So we have the 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 Wotan symbol for the credits to go over. We have the the novel way of doing the credits uh, uh, at the beginning in that sort of tick tape. And I think every single uh, episode introduction is different. And Wotan gets an and credit. Don't you just love that? I love and credits in movies anyway it's uh you know it's a way of drawing attention to an actor who's perhaps not the star so can't get star billing but uh, but deserves an, uh, just a slight little little bit of extra note um but of course votan is is not real he's not a member of equity uh uh and our force there um uh and votan now i know i'm gonna choose votan's and credit as one of my favourite things. I'm quite tempted to choose the fact that it has that wonderful thing, well, wonderful, that contentious thing of saying Doctor Who is required because it, it, it gives us something to debate. And there's, you know, you can wriggle out of it. You can say for whatever, Votan did not know what Doctor Who was called, that the Doctor is called. So just substituted Who uh, for... As, as an indication that, you know, that was information yet to be understood, although Votan does know what TARDIS stands for. Um, but 
but that allows us to have as fans lots of sort of interesting conjecture and invent theories and that's part of the fun of being a fan and i and it's quite a nice little thing and i remember in in uh doctor who a celebration I, which i got for christmas my 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 mum flicking through that and saying you know to the whole family is because this was an interesting she said oh well apparently he's never been called doctor who on screen although uh the, the, it actually is he actually is in in one episode uh so you go so you know yeah he's like uh yeah he's 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 never i think they use the example holmes never said elementary my dear watson kirk never said beam me up scotty and doctor who has never been called doctor who except he has been called doctor who uh but but you know that was admitted to be a mistake by the production team well yeah mistakes by the production team aren't real in universe you know you you, you, you know when, when dodo leaves you know professor brett doesn't go I think Votan has just made a mistake caused by the production team. In the in-universe of Doctor Who, he's called Doctor Who at the end of this episode, and as we shall discover loads of times next week. Um, but I, what, what struck me watching that was seeing Hartnell in 60s London and the very 60s-ness of that, uh, the Inferno nightclub. Um, and how incongruous it was having Hartnell in that situation and how fresh and modern that seems and, and must have seemed uh, uh, to an audience that had, had just watched, uh, you know, the, the Massacre, the Celestial Toymaker, the Savages, uh, you know, no st all strange and interesting and very different stories. Um, but, you know, historicals were more commonplace then than, than stories set in the present day because um, Doctor Who hadn't been able to get back to the present day initially because that would have that would have uh, scuppered the uh, you know the the, the 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 nature of Ian and, Ian and Barbara being unwilling uh, travellers fellow travellers so I'm going to choose Anne Votan but I might not make that my thing for the whole story because I don't know if that's going to be the first thing Pip will choose and of course I've got to try and think of what he will choose and uh, I'm I'm probably the only person that will choose the way something's done in the credits. The Doctor Who is required, he might choose. But I'm going to go, I'm going to go with my gut feeling, which was what struck me about that, which is William Hartnell's Doctor Who in his hat in 20th century London. And for the audience, here, now, today. Uh, because... 60s Doctor Who is weird. That's why it works so well. Everywhere that the TARDIS goes is strange and the soundtrack is very strange and it's a strange show. And actually, when it comes back to Earth and our time for the first time, it's still strange because actually it's strange seeing our hero um, thrust into that world, um, which I think is a plays really interestingly as a dynamic. Um, and there's all sorts of other great stuff there. I mean, you know, it's, I think Jackie Lane did well, and it's nice to it's nice to see her. But I know that that's thrust into sharp focus by the news this week. Uh, and Michael Ferguson is an excellent director. Um, even Wotan's W. I love Wotan's W. No, I'm going to choose. And I think it's partially because when we did Evil of the Daleks, and Simon Gerrier chose 
Jamie and the Doctor being in the 60s and I kicked myself for not even commenting on that in my commentary, I think. Um, anyway, what's Pip chosen for episode one? Right, thing number one. Ah, he's done the music. I love him for that. I love that. Thanks, Pip. <laughs> This uh, first one, it's the fact that Wotan, or is it Votan? 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 I'm saying Wotan. Wotan has got his own theme tune. You know the tune he plays when he um, takes over Professor Brett? It goes like... There's no uh, original incidental music for the story, so it was all taken from stock, and it's mostly just computer sounds. So I always thought, watching this, that it was a joke that Wotan was so self-aware and postmodern that it basically came up with its own incidental music <laughs> when taking people over. Um, and it even says, it even says Doctor Who, and he's even got a laugh at the end. You know. <laughs> So I just I think that's absolutely brilliant. And it even gets an on-screen credit. Anyway, that's it. Theme tune. Brilliant. Um, I can see Pip isn't going to be entirely serious about I'm going to agonise. He's going to choose something left field and funny, which is fine, because what this is all about is I'm, I know my guests only appear at the beginning and at the end, but they hopefully dictate the style and uh, the atmosphere and the approach to how we look at, uh, at their choice of story. It's been my choice this week because I've got loads of uh, these to choose from because people have been very kind. Uh, this wasn't even on my list of stories I was going to release in the next 10, 15 releases. Uh, but I've brought it forward uh, because, yeah, the War Machines was required uh, because, of, uh, because of Jackie Lane and because... Yeah, I didn't want to do seven episodes of Marco Polo. Sorry, Marco Polo, I love you, but um, I'm a 47-year-old man in the 21st century and uh, I, I need to take a run-up, I think. Um, so, okay, so I don't get a point for that, even though uh, Pip touched upon uh, some of the things that I talked about. Uh, and I think probably ruled out... <laughs> choosing Votan's credit because uh, he referred to it but didn't choose it as a brilliant thing. Let's see, eh? Um, but, uh, yeah, I uh, I thought that was good fun and it wasn't uh, hard to choose something. I could have chosen John Cater as well. as well. There's loads and loads of things about it. So, um, all right, well, that's uh, the end of episode one. Um, let's see. Uh, I didn't notice Votan's laugh though, so I'm going to listen out for that uh, next week. Um, uh, is uh, yeah, I hadn't uh, picked up on that, but I I do find a lot of Votan's sort of noises quite difficult to discern. I mean, before he says Doctor Who is re required, it sounds like he's sort of he's got indigestion, uh, and I remember thinking, is he is he talking? Oh no, he's talking now. Um, but there we go. Uh, I'm I'm referring to him like he's a 
an individual so it must be working somehow uh all right well um thanks for listening come back for episode two uh which is the final episode for for jackie lane um and if any if you get any mysterious phone calls between now and then uh and you and you hear that regurgitated ticket tape music bang uh don't answer it okay uh thanks very much for watching see you next time Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places with me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Pip Maidley, who can be found on Twitter at Pip Maidley. And I urge you to do so. His delightful nonsense is often a highlight of the day. These podcasts would not be possible without the help of patrons who include Jason Gorman, Alex Kaffajoglu, Chris Fone, Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard... Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Barry Platt, Darren Mackay, Joe Llewellyn, Ian Key, Siobhan Galichon, Chris Dunford-Kelk, John Deere, Rob Dawson, Peter Crocker, Paul Crook, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Mark Keating, Robert Davis and Scott Pride. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates. If you'd like to join that list of patrons, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. There are several tiers, but it's fairly egalitarian. Can you be fairly egalitarian? But generally you get access to advanced material, exclusive material. Everyone gets that. Then as you ascend higher up the ladder, you might get a badge or a trinket or two. But as I say, it's pretty much all accessible from £3 a month. And actually, if you pay yearly, you get a 10% discount on top of that. Uh, of course, I know in these financial times, not everyone is able to contribute or to sign up regularly. So Kofi is there for that. Kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where you can do a one-off payment that is still gratefully received. And I also know that sometimes all you can do is listen, and that's fine. I'm very grateful to you for doing so. But maybe you could pop to your podcast outlet and give this a five-star rating and perhaps a couple of nice lines in review form because that really helps to keep my algorithms ship-shape and uh, they're looking a bit uh, green around the gills uh, just at the moment. So, yeah, get them, get them ready for embarkation. Uh, thanks very much. The Society for Mixed Metaphors would like to apologise for the last speech from Toby Haydock, as it was full of them. Um, <laughs> My comedy night in Manchester has started again. Go to Excess Malarkey in Manchester every Tuesday night. Full lineup uh, of live comedy uh, on your doorstep if you're in Manchester. It will still continue to have an online show on the first Sunday of every month from August on twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. <laughs>